subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. He's got a few miles left, knock on wood. He's a three-legged dog, but he's still pretty good. Three-legged dogs Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Oh, that's silly, Jerry. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, October 12, 2014. Thank you for tuning in. Today we'll be discussing a topic that can affect all cats and dogs and their people, pet paralysis. It can be traumatic for you and your pets when they develop severe mobility issues, but we are fortunate to have an expert on the show today to help us help our pets. Sharon Seltzer is creator of the blog LessonsFromAParalyzedDog.com where she shares tips for helping and coping with pet paralysis. She speaks from experiences she's learned caring for her own special dog, Sophie, and she'll be taking your questions. Call 646-716-5450 or join us now in the live chat room at tripods.com chat. Sharon, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. Hi, Sharon. It's Renee here. Um, wow, it is. It, I can't believe that Time has just flown. We met you earlier this year at the Blog Pause Conference, and we kept talking about doing this um, since May. So <laughs> I'm really happy that, that we finally got to connect for this show. Thank you. Oh, yeah. No, I appreciate it very much having me on. Thank you. Sure. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I was instantly drawn to the work that you're doing with your blog is that uh, you and Tripods have a lot in common. Um, we both address a very specific audience, and it's one that most people don't think they're ever going to be a part of, and really most pet parents aren't. I mean, it's um, pet paralysis or, or losing a leg. It's not something anybody ever thinks about until it actually happens, and when it does, it's pretty pretty darn scary. Um, I know that when, when our dog was diagnosed with cancer, we just didn't even know where to turn. There was no community about it. There was no real information other than some pretty depressing statistics. So I can really, really appreciate what you're doing and, and can't thank you enough for getting the word out that if a, an animal becomes paralyzed, it's, it's not the end of the road there. Um, can, you, can you tell me uh, about why you started Lessons from a Paralyzed Dog? Um, tell us more about Sophie. We, we want to hear all about it for, for everybody who's um, unfamiliar with it. Okay, um, sure. Uh, I started lessons from a paralyzed dog because my dog was paralyzed for five years. And so all of the things that we went through as pet owners and as a family ourselves, I thought there's got to be other people out there. And I know it was a struggle, like you had said, trying to find the resources and what we can do to keep her comfortable and happy because she wasn't going anywhere for a very long time. Um, so we started that 
I thought I need to look forward and see what I can do to share. And, and because it was one of the scariest days when your veterinarian looks at you and says, um, this is what's going to happen. She is going, our dog became slowly paralyzed over a six-month period. And there was no looking back. We were just moving forward on it. Six months. I mean, that, gosh, in, in one way it seems like that's really fast, and in another way it doesn't. I mean, it, when that happened to you, what was what was going through your head? Did you have any kind of indication that that it was going to lead to complete paralysis, or or what were her symptoms when, well, when all this what, started? What kind of happened to us is it, it kind of sounds silly. We, my husband and I, and at the time we had um, there were a total of three dogs, uh, and we would walk where we live has a wonderful three mile path, and we would walk it every day, and. The summer, uh, the late summer, maybe of 2007, um, Sophie started to lag behind the rest of the group. And we kind of teased her and told her she's an old lady, you know, keep up Mm -hmm. with the group. And then we would notice that she was actually slipping. Her legs were slipping out from under her. Uh, So, Mm -hmm. again, we kind of took notice of it, kind of watched it for a little bit, maybe a few weeks, and then she also started slipping inside the house. And you'd at first look under you and go, well, is there something she slipped on? Did we, you know, drop some water? And there would be nothing. So probably a good month later, um, when it was happening on a regular basis, we said, oh, you know, I think we're in some trouble here. Mm-hmm. That's, and it that's was so similar to how... Oh, I'm sorry, go on. Oh, I was going to say it was particularly sad to us as a family because... This was a dog, I call my blog the, the fastest dog runner in the dog park, and that's because she <laughs> loved, absolutely loved to run, and that was the one thing that was taken away from her. Oh, and, and how old was she when this started? She was 10, and she she actually mm-hmm. passed away in 2013 when she was 15. Wow. Oh, wow. You know, I... This this road that that you went down it, it sounds so similar to how uh, a, a tripod family um, what what they experience because it's kind of the same thing that the dog shows a little bit of symptoms at first and you kind of think well maybe we played too hard or we went for uh, too long of a walk and and you kind of rationalize it for a long time and then finally you go wait this isn't right so when you took her to the vet. What what did the vet think? What was the first diagnosis that you got? The, she was a German Shepherd mix, and German Shepherds are prone to a disease called degenerative myelopathy, um, mm-hmm. where basically the myelin, the covering of the nerves of the spine, start to wear away, and the legs and the brain can can't speak to each other anymore. So there was a DNA test. So we did quite a few tests. They did they were very extensive. They tested for DM. They tested to see if maybe she had a deep bone um, tumor growing because there was nothing that came up on x-ray. She didn't even have any arthritis. So we looked at a lot of different things that it could be, and nothing came back positive. Wow. And how long of a time period was that? Again, um, I would say until the time when she finally became completely paralyzed. So I think that we went probably all the way through May early June of the following year before oh my gosh. we kind of said she is what she is and, and obviously we're not going to find an answer for it. Oh, that must have been so frustrating when, when you can't get an answer and, and, you know, we can put a man on the moon, but we can't 
find out what's wrong with our dog. It just makes you want to bang your head against the wall. Uh, what did yeah. your your family think? How how were you guys coping with this? Well, I think because it happened gradually, it was almost a good thing. It gave us time to slow down and, and figure out some steps what to do. It might have been diff- more difficult if she had had an injury. So I think for one thing, my, my husband might not have been quite as stressed out about it, but I've been mm-hmm. in animal rescue and I'm an animal writer, and so I've seen or have heard of other dogs with similar problems. So I knew right away when they said that she wasn't coming back from this, we were going to have to start learning how to lift her properly. We were going to have to express her bladder, learn how to do that. We were going to have to make a lot of changes in our life. Mm-hmm. So I think I was a little bit more panicked and stressed out and then reading, going on the Internet, trying to read whatever I could about how to you know, to live with a paralyzed dog. And, and there really is very little information out there on the practical side. Oh, I, I would definitely agree. I mean, you you are the go-to resource right now about this, and and um, the information is so helpful. I mean, like like you said, expressing a dog's bladder. I know that occasionally we get members whose dogs don't urinate after amputation surgery, and nobody knows that that's going to happen. Nobody knows what to do, so you take them to the vet, and the vet does it, and everything's fine. But in your case, this was an everyday thing. How did you learn how to do that? It's actually, I think, kind of a funny story. The veterinarian took time and showed us, but veterinarians are used to expressing a dog's bladder while they're laying down. And first of all, it was a little difficult to even figure out which parts of the body I needed to squeeze. So (laughs) I did what, what the veterinarian said, but she wasn't happy. Sophie was not happy with being laid down, to go potty. She was used to standing upright. Right. And I thought, you can learn anything on YouTube. I, I scoured around, and there was a very, very short little YouTube video of a woman walking her dog out, um, you know, kind of towel walking the dog outside who was paralyzed, and she kind of put the dog over one of her arms and expressed it while the dog was standing up. And my dog was thrilled, and that's what we did for the next five years. Wow, there's the power of the Internet for you. (laughs) Oh, man, but that saved your sanity. (laughs) So when this was going on, did you have any kind of sense that Sophie was upset or depressed? Or, you know, a lot of people report their dogs become depressed after losing a limb. Um, How did she react behaviorally when, when all this was going on? I think she was bewildered at first. What, what's happening? I mean, I would look around when she would fall, and she would look around when she fell. But I don't think hmm. the one thing good is that I don't think she ever felt sorry for herself. We didn't feel sorry for her, and our relationship continued. We we just tried to make life as easy and as practical to keep her going. I don't I don't think we thought about our our relationship changing. It didn't even change with our dogs. The dogs, she was kind of the she was the oldest dog and she was the leader of our little pack mm-hmm. and she remained that way. They they adored her. Really? The two other dogs and would still would, you know, sit by her if she couldn't move that day. They were just it was kind of endearing to see how they adjusted to it. So I don't think that our relationship, any of us in the family, uh, changed. That is really cool to hear, um, especially about the other dogs, because a lot of people worry how their other dogs will react. So 
um, to hear that. That's that's so that's so helpful. Thank you. Um, and and ultimately, you know, you, you spent five years with her like this, and during that time, what were some of the most valuable lessons that she taught you as as you all went through this? I think the biggest lesson that I learned is that life constantly changes. Uh, even though once they tell you your dog is paralyzed and after, you know, that summer when she could not walk at all, she still continued to have different parts of her body that change. For instance, and I, I will never know why, she lost her ability to bark. So we hmm. we just kept having to adapt, and it wasn't fun. We would, you know, no sooner get used to life being this is how life is going to be, but then it would change again. And I think the other thing we really learned is that you can set up a new normal. There's Everybody has a different version of what normal is, and normal was okay, mm-hmm. for, you know, in our house in doing this, what we had to do for her. I am so impressed with, with how you guys handled this because I know a lot of people have difficulty in in not adapting. You know, our, our, our animals do it so well, and it's it's always the people who tend to have the regret or look back and say, oh, I wish life could still be that way, and they're sad. And, you know, they're not seeing that their animal is still with them. Their animal is still having a good life and, and mm-hmm. you know, being loved and loving you, and, and that's that's the most important thing. So I, I'm, I'm real, really happy to hear that, that things went I, so I well. I have to say... Um, we were we were lucky in 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 some ways that um, my husband has his own business, so for a lot of years all my dogs went to work with us, and then we just ironically had moved our office home, so we mm. were really lucky to ha- be able to be home. I think it's much more difficult for somebody who maybe has to go wait eight hours a day and leave a disabled dog. I you'd have to have help coming in. So we were really lucky that we could be home and adjust to her as she was adjusting to you know all the changes too. Yeah, I I could I could definitely uh, relate to that situation. I mean, we we worked at home as well, and um, yeah, there's a, a lot of times where it just breaks your heart when when people have to leave their their animal home all day, and and you know they're they're really upset by it, and I can't blame them because honestly, I don't know what I would do in that situation, and. And that's why we're so thankful that we have this community of people out there who are willing to say, hey, this is what I did. You know, I took my dog to uh, a doggy daycare at a vet clinic where they watched them really carefully and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, there's there's a great community of, of, of pet parents out there willing to help others. And you kind of brought them together for this important topic with, with your blog and, and all the resources that, that you're sharing on there. Um, how, how do you help? pet parents who find themselves in this situation? Um, do they do they write to you a lot? Do they post comments in your blog? Um, what what can they learn when they when they go to lessons from a paralyzed dog? Well, first of all, I am getting quite a few people who are now finding us and writing in specifically about, you know, specific questions for their own animal, and that makes me feel really helpful because that's kind of the goal mm-hmm. here is to, so somebody else doesn't have to reinvent the wheel, we can tell them. So when they come, they're going to find my story, which I call the lessons. So there's there's Sophie's story on there, 
and we keep adding to it. There are more and more that are mm-hmm. going to be coming um, so they can learn at least about one person's story. Then I keep stories in there about amazing paralyzed pets of all kinds and other caregiver stories. We have uh, information about the different kinds of products and reviewing them because there are harnesses that will help. There's all, all kinds of apparatus. There are wheelchairs. There are carts. So we're looking at all the different things that you can get to adapt um, you know, have your dog adapt to living at home like this, uh, even doggy mm-hmm. diapers, where to buy doggy diapers. Um, and we're also talking about some of the clinical trials. There are amazing clinical trials going on in the country, <laughs> excuse me, from different veterinary schools right now that they're looking for paralyzed dogs to come or, or even just paralyzed of all kind of animals to come participate in the trial. I, I'd love to hear more about that in a, in a second because um, that that is a, a really important topic. Um, you know, as far as as once the people who come to you and they start learning all of these things, um, how do you how do you think they that society in general reacts to people wanting to work with their with their animals? And you know, in the past, it would have been oh, put them down and. You know, there's still that attitude out there. Um, how do you help them cope with that kind of drama that people sometimes get from friends and family? Well, it's funny because we I did a story not too long ago, <clears throat> excuse me, and it was one I was putting off about not being wanted to be called a crazy lady for having a paralyzed dog. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. and it was it talked a little bit about some of my experiences and how couple of my very dear friends at some point came to me and said, you know, enough is enough already with her. Wow. I thought that people might not relate to that story, and I a lot of people wrote in and said, this is exactly what happened to me. Or you'll have mm-hmm. a veterinarian who might not say it to your face, but really you you find out later that the veterinarian really has thought that you've gone a little too far. So while while the community of people who have paralyzed dogs, obviously we're, we've chosen to keep our dogs with us, is one thing, but the, the average person out there, they might not quite understand. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's the same way for, for three-legged animals. We we hear that quite a bit. And actually, and a lot of people do come to us and say, you know, I'm not sure what to do. Is Am I doing this for me or, or my dog? And, and Or they're cat, you know, and, and there really there really is no good answer because every animal is different, so right. you know, we just we just like to say take your your animal's quality of life into consideration and what they enjoy doing, you know, can you see them adapting? Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely tough to sometimes when, when you're not getting the support you need from others. So we just tell people if you want to proceed, ignore them. <laughs> you know, right. just uh, stick with the community, talk to others who've been there, and 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 help them out that way. Um, tell as me, as long as your dog oh, go- wasn't in pain, as long <laughs> one of the big deals was if your dog wasn't in pain. Exactly. So, yes. As a, as a that is a huge topic. And you can tell I, we 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 knew when we had kind of gotten to that point where it was the end. But yes, it's a very personal choice that people have to make. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so, so tell me, what is a, a day in the life um, of of caregiving for for a paralyzed dog? I assume you only deal with mostly deal with dogs. Is that true, or, or 
Do you have other animals? I, in this? I, no, I shouldn't say that because people are writing in there are other animals, and there are definitely cats that are out uh-huh. there with every you know, a lot of times they can just have a spinal cord injury. So we're seeing a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. But I'm speaking from my own perspective. But our day was was interesting and it, it's very interesting what you get used to. So we would wake up and the very first thing I would do is put on a harness that would help me lift my dog. We would take care of the, the morning potty business. And then mm-hmm. I would bring her through, and she would have breakfast, uh, which at, towards the end, you know, had some hand feeding because she was losing some of her coordination with her upper body as well. Mm-hmm. And then the, your dog can kind of, or your animal has, you know, a period of time when they're able to just handle life for themselves until the next time. So we would actually do four bathroom breaks during the day and the evening. Um, breakfast and dinner, and she went for a walk every day, and, and she loved going for a car ride. Aww. And she would you know, in a lot of ways, it sounds like, in a lot of ways, it sounds like when you're just dealing with a, a very senior animal. I mean, you know, senior dogs and cats are very much the same way. They just, uh, they don't do what they used to do, but they're still having a good life. So it really, right. I mean, other than the paralysis part, it just so to me, it sounds like you were caring for your typical senior animal. Right. Now, there there were other times, I should say, we did a lot of, you know, there's physical therapy you can go to. We did some laser mm-hmm. therapy. So we did do a lot of, uh, I did acupuncture, a lot of different doctor's visits and, and different rehab therapies that we tried to. So, so maybe that plays a little bit into it. But your average everyday... We even played games. You know, my dogs were used to playing a certain kind of a game. We called it it's a treat ball game where they would run around with a treat, a ball full of these treats. And so we set it up so that all she had to do was knock it over with her nose, and then we pick <laughs> it up. And so, so, yes, life was a, diff- a new normal. You, you know, you mentioned the treat games. That's one of the things we really try to encourage people to do for their dogs and cats of all ages is to start focusing on mental games like that and and games that don't require so much physical activity because eventually, if you're lucky, your animal is going to become old and not be able to go on those long walks and hikes and things that people love doing. So when you've already got a routine with games like that, it's it's so helpful. And, and we've had rehab vets tell us that wearing out a dog's mind is much more effective in tiring them out than wearing out their body, and they'll last longer, too. Um, so you mentioned the treatments that you um, that you sought out. Can you tell me which ones were the, the more effective ones for Sophie and, and for other animals that, that you see who are, who are going through paralysis? We didn't have the one that I'm seeing really people are writing in with some really good uh, results are some of the really intense physical therapies. And I think perhaps even just, you know, as short a time as when we started ago, they weren't as prevalent. Uh, so I think those are really helping people who are, there's a, a, a dog that we just did a story about, and her name is Bella, who had a, an injury and was told that she wasn't going to walk again, but the, her mm-hmm. owner was just diligent and still is and, and takes her twice a week for really intensive physical therapy, and this dog is beginning to come around. So this was an injury and not, not the same as a disease, so she was able to, to get some pressure putting back on her, her hind legs. 
But we did, um, again, we did acupuncture. We did cold laser therapy. We, we were told we weren't a candidate for stem cell therapy, but that is now, again, a little bit further ahead than when I was asking about it five years ago. I think That's a lot amazing of how much things change in, in such a short period of time for, for rehab. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think are there specialists who specialize in paralysis, or would you just seek out a, a general uh, veterinary rehab practitioner? I mean, are you, how do you find somebody to help? Well, there are veterinary neurologists, so that would be the one who would probably make the final diagnosis and maybe do mm -hmm. if the dog needs any kind of surgery. But I have found a whole group of wonderful physical therapists who are now I haven't heard of anything other than canine, but they are canine-certified physical therapists. In my town, and I have about 2 million people here, there's only one physical therapy clinic like that. And, again, it wasn't open a couple of years ago, and I've talked wow. to some of these people. The only way to become a canine physical therapist is to be a human physical therapist first. So there isn't even a way that these, these people go, so can get in the door. So they're very, very dedicated. They're people who... Mm -hmm have gone through all the training to become a human physical therapist and then continued on to, to do this. And they, I think, are starting to see some really good results. They know how the mechanics, the body works. They know what to do. Uh, there's also some very good books that we just did an interview with a woman who is a canine physical therapist, and she has one that if you don't have one in your area, you can at least start to do some physical therapy at home with your dog. Oh, who, who is that, and, and what book are you referring to? Let me hold on one moment. I'm oh, sure, that's okay. I have. There's more and more resources popping up. Yes, yes. It, it's called Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation for Animals. And I know she has it on her site, and she can also get it on Amazon. But um, let me see the author. And it's geared towards just regular people like you and I? Yes, and her name is Susan cool. E. Davis, very nice woman, and she actually outlines the different types of paralysis animals can have or injuries and what you would want to do or how she would approach it for that type because, of course, everybody's not the same. You know, a broken back is going to be treated differently mm -hmm. than um, a disease. And it's, it was a very easy-to-read book and very, very helpful. Oh, very cool. All I had to do was Google Susan E. Davis Rehab, and it came up. So thank you for that reference. That is to know about. Um, so let's get back to clinical trials. We have just a couple of minutes left, but tell me about clinical trials and how they're helping paralyzed pets live better lives. Yes, there's some amazing ones out there now, and one that is actually looking for dogs to participate. Uh, Iowa State University is holding clinical trials, but the dog has to have had an injury. It has to have been an injury and not a disease. So they're, they're being okay. very specific. What happens a lot of time with a spinal cord injury, after it repairs itself, it leaves scar tissue. And what they are doing is, <coughs> excuse me, having intense physical therapy along with injecting into the spine um, it's a, a chemical called chondroitinase, and uh -huh. it's supposed to dissolve the scar tissue, which hopefully then will allow the nerves to reconnect uh, to, you know, so that the brain and the legs are starting to talk again. So 
so they did um, 15. It was in their first study. They've now opened it up. They want to do a total of 60 dogs, so they need 45 more dogs to participate. Oh, wow. if, if you're in that area, plus it's phenomenal, They will your dog will also get this wonderful physical therapy while they're healing. And they see the oh, dog. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yes, it's, it's a very hopeful um, kind of a study that's out there. And I see on, on your blog you do have a section called Veterinary Advances and Clinical Trials, so people can find that information there. Um, yes. What other kinds of, of, yeah, I was just going to say, what other kinds of trials um, have you heard about? There is, um, well, there's, there's quite a few on here, but another one that's very impressive is for French Bulldogs. Um, the woman who started that is Dr. Kathleen Smiler. Uh, what they're finding are certain types of diseases are prone to certain breeds a little bit more than others, and actually there are quite a few of them. Uh, so she mm -hmm. actually is the first person to find out that her dog, Lily, actually had this paralysis, and it's called a constrictive myelopathy. So it's somehow constricting the myelin in the spine is my understanding. So she has... Mm -hmm. uh, a questionnaire that you can take first about your French Bulldog. So they're working on that, and then she's working with another veterinarian on what to do about this. A lot of the uh, – there's another one for degenerative myelopathy. They're trying to – if they can figure out what's going on in particular, they can kind of almost breed it out. So they can – if they find out the DNA, oh, a lot of cool. these have to do with the DNA in a certain mm -hmm. breed, then they can find out which dogs are genetically prone to it, and then breeders can just choose not to breed those particular dogs because obviously not every dog of, every, of that breed will have that be a carrier. So some of these diseases are strictly just to find out what the gene is so that we can stop producing it and having passed along. That would be so awesome. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for all of this great information and just working so hard the world a better place for our animals. Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. I, I hope we can have you back again sometime in the future. Oh, please do. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, Sharon, thank you so much for your time and for all you're doing to help others with their own special needs pets at LessonsFromAParalyzedDog.com. Listeners can find the podcast for this show and all Tripod Talk radio episodes at Downloads.Tripods.com. And for the best animal amputation recovery and care tips, feedback, and support from others, please join the discussion in the Tripods blogs and forums at, and find many more helpful resources at Tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. <laughs> Uh
Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts. And claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.